three. I guess we're it's now. We're starting now. It doesn't give me a countdown. That was really dumb. Um, but we're live. This is the Marina White Audible. I'm Ethan Lee. This is my apartment, office. There's boxes and stuff. Still not unpacked. That's Daniel Black. Um, say hi, Daniel. Hi. You didn't say hi, Daniel. Uh, yeah. I am Daniel. You're Ethan. I'm not saying hi to you because your name's not Daniel. I just said to say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. That works. Um, yeah, this weekend wasn't fun. We got a three-star offensive lineman recruit out of it. Which Thank God. I hope he can replace Greg Island. He's an offensive guard. Darn. So, Mississippi State lost a horrible game to Kentucky. Uh, Twenty-eight to seven. While you while you say that, I'm going to do some research, Ethan. You talk. Uh, this is the second time that Mississippi State has lost to Kentucky in the past decade. If you want to go back eleven games, the previous you know decade that we were working under when I kept talking about Mississippi State's decade of dominance over Kentucky, the Bulldogs hadn't. You know they'd also lost two games there, but those two losses were by a total of three points. Um, this most recent loss was by three touchdowns and was the worst offensive performance by a Mississippi state team, uh, in that time span. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all, okay. I have done the statistic. I have finished the statistic that I was looking up. I really should have looked this up before we started, but, um, I'm also looking at another statistic. Okay. Um, Nick Fitzgerald looked worse than Tyson Lee did back in 2008. Yes. Uh, the offensive line looked the worst we've probably seen it in a decade. Yes. In a single game. Um, and this was against the blue and white Wildcats of Kentucky, who are now the like 17th ranked team in both bowls or something like that. But they're not, they're not Alabama. See, if this game had happened against Alabama, I think the entire conversation's flipped. Ethan, may I speak? But this game happened against Kentucky, and it was bad. There's may I speak? nothing redeemable about this game. May I speak? Yeah, now you may. Historical tidbit that you sort of touched on. Yes. You said Mississippi State is now eight and two against Kentucky since um, 2009. It would be 2009 now. Yeah. Mississippi State, uh, or excuse me, uh, we are. Is that right? Yes. No. We are in the past. Yeah, that's years. right. That's right. Yeah. I've written about this a lot because it was great. It was great up until Saturday. Yes. Um, Mississippi State. This is Mississippi State's worst loss to Kentucky since 2003. Sounds about right. That was a season in which Mississippi State went 2-10. and In Mississippi State's previous four losses to Kentucky before this game, which dates back to 2004, we lost by a combined 12 points in those four games. Yep. yep. Lost by 21. There's a difference between those four games, those four teams, and this team. This is supposed to be the most talented Mississippi State team ev- that has been fielded at least since 1999. Yeah. A team that went 10-2. and two. Yeah. Ethan, <clears throat> you know that I've watched plenty of Mississippi State football in my time. I, which we're going to talk on in a bit because of your road trips. I was born into a Mississippi State family. I was born um, 
into a family in which my father went to Mississippi State, my brothers went to Mississippi State, my grandfather went to Mississippi State, my grandmother went to Mississippi State, and a number of other relatives. The football that I remember from Mississippi State was the Sylvester Crum era. That's what that's the my that was my introduction. I lived in the last four years of Jackie Sherrill, but I remember Crum. As you know, Ethan, even though you weren't paying attention to Mississippi State football in that time, you have enough knowledge of history to understand that Sylvester Crum and his coaching staff were not offensive juggernauts. They were not good. This was the worst offensive performance I have seen by Mississippi State since the 2008 Egg Bowl. We did not score in the 2008 Egg Bowl. We lost that game 45 to nothing. My opinion on this matter is due in part to the fact that we scored seven points against Kentucky, due in part to the fact that we had 56 rushing yards against Kentucky, due in part to the fact that we had 145 passing yards against Kentucky, due in part to the fact that we had 139 yards worth of penalties against Kentucky. Most of those coming on the offensive side of the ball. Ethan, Dan Mullen is seemingly the most hated man amongst Mississippi State fans in the entire world now outside of Scott Strickland. But Scott Strickland is hated primarily because he hired Dan Mullen. What about Hugh Freeze? Good. That's that's true, but I'm talk- But let's just stick to prior okay. Mississippi okay. State figures. Fair enough. If there is one thing Dan Mullen was good at, it was doing what he can with the things that he has. Yes. It was being able... If you have a Chris Relf or a Tyson Lee or a Tyler Russell at quarterback, being able to being able to tweak your offense to favor their strengths. He as did best, that with Tyler Russell. As, I, best, I as best he can. I, Ethan, I, may I ask you a question? Fair enough. I'll disagree with that last point, but fair enough. May I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Has Joe Moorhead done that so far? No. No. Kylan Hill, the player that was lauded as one of the best running backs in the United States of America because of his performance against Kansas State, he had four touches. Four. Eris Williams, who was not as good of a running back as Kylan Hill, but is still a good running back, had eight touches. We threw the ball 36 times by, from a quarterback who is not a good passer. Nick Fitzgerald is not a good passer. And he will not become a good passer if he cannot throw the ball well against a terrible Kansas State team and Kentucky. And I don't care if Kentucky is good. I don't care if Kentucky wins nine games. I said this to you before the show, and this is something that I wanted to make a point of. If we lose by three touchdowns to a nine-win Kentucky team, a team that is playing against the SEC East, we are not going to beat Auburn. We are not going to beat Texas A&M. We are not going to beat LSU. We are not going to beat Alabama. We have a chance to lose to Florida and Ole Miss. Right now, five and seven is the floor. And the ceiling, as far as I'm concerned, is eight and four. So I want to jump in here. The most talented team in 20 years. So I want to jump in here. Um, I will say that we could look at this game in a vacuum uh, or we could look at it in the greater context of the season, but we don't have the full context of the season. Correct. But right now that's but, not looking good. But if we were to look at it in a vacuum right now, or look at it in the context of the season that we've seen so far. 
Um, in the season that we've seen so far, this is an anomaly. This this is very much so an anomaly. Um, the as for the rushing attack, getting back to looking at it in a vacuum in this game alone. If you're averaging two yards a carry, why are you going to try to run the ball? If why did well, down, why did Kylan Hill only touch the ball four times? If he's that expl- if, if the coaches believe that he's that explosive of a runner, and if he's played so well up to that point, I don't care. Why did he run the ball four times? I'm not done yet. Okay. Sorry. If your offensive line on every time you snap the ball on first and second down is getting a false start. That's a coaching issue. That is a coaching issue. But how are you going to trust them to be able to push a defensive line that is dominating them on second and third down? Then I will ask this. Why were they doing that in the first place? If Joe Moorhead and Luke Getze specifically said in press conferences, we are going to put an emphasis on penalties. If they were able to figure that out after K-State against UL Lafayette, now it was against UL Lafayette, but still it's football. They, If they were able to do that against UL Lafayette, all of a sudden... Why were they getting 16 penalties for 139? Now, granted, there were two or three or four that were really bad calls, but still, that doesn't eliminate the fact that we were get that our players were being idiots for getting the the tons of unsportsman likes and the number of false starts. The false starts they 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 killed all momentum. The two, I guess, two maybe three delay of game penalties that we got they kill all momentum. And the it's fact the that the players either it was the unnecessary roughness and the uh, the penalties after the play was done on sportsmanlike conduct. So. You know, yes, I, I understand the issues with the offensive line because that was one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen by any team whatsoever. That was miserable. That was god-awful. And that was an offensive line for the past three weeks had been heralded as playing as one of the best in the country that all of a sudden was getting whipped by Kentucky. Now, once again, I don't care if this is going to be a good Kentucky team. They are not as talented as we are. And right now, their sum is 100 times better than our sum, and that is a direct issue with coaching. So getting back to talking about the offense, why Joe Moorhead didn't run the ball well, or didn't run the ball more, is because the Bulldogs weren't running the ball well. I fully believe that Moorhead was trying to take advantage of the only thing that Mississippi State had potential of doing, which was passing the ball. Which Nick Fitzgerald can't do. And I I agree but he had no other options in this game. So what he could have done to stop some of the issues on the offensive line was put in a tight end, bring in a fullback, bring in an H back, find some help for the offensive line. And he should have done that. And he should have done that in the first half. That is a coaching issue. That is something he could have addressed soon, but still despite, I mean, yeah, Kylan Hill was averaging three and a half yards per carry. If you are going to, but if you still have so much faith that Kylan Hill is such a good running back and such a talented running back, even if he were averaging three and a half yards per carry, why did you give up on him after four carries? Why? I don't care if the offensive line was struggling. Neither him, nor Aris Williams, nor Nick Fitzgerald could run the ball. Those are three very talented runners. He ran the ball. Aris Williams ran the ball twice. The number of times 
that Kylan Hill did. Four is an egregious number of carries for the kind of running back Kylan Hill is. And if you, once again, if the coaching staff is so has so much faith in Kylan Hill, and Kylan Hill has proven that he can run the ball extremely well and can be one of the best running backs in the United States. You run them four times, give up on them, and don't have faith that he can do anything else down the road regardless of what the offensive line is doing. If Kylan Hill had 10 carries and was averaging two yards per rush, yeah, I get that. I understand why you wouldn't run him. He ran the ball four times. Four times. I think you're missing my point here in which I'm saying that nobody could run the ball well against Kentucky, and that is a direct product of the offensive line. That, and yeah, that's embarrassing. No, I agree. I I'm not I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just commenting that it's embarrassing. But the reason why they didn't go to Kylan Hill more is because nobody was running the ball well. It didn't matter who you had running the ball. Nobody was doing it well. Nobody was doing it efficiently. Nobody was gaining yards. And so for everybody out there that's been questioning, well, why didn't Moorhead run the ball well? We couldn't. We couldn't run it at all. And so the only thing the offense was left to do was to try to throw the ball, and we saw how that worked out. So basically, if we can't run the ball, our offense is going to be stagnant. It's just like it was a year ago, except Fitzgerald may be a worse passer. Now, on the thing I was saying about how this is the worst offensive performance since the 2008 Egg Bowl, we in that time between 2008 and now, we have seen Mississippi State score three points against Georgia, Alabama, and Oklahoma State, six points against Alabama, only a touchdown against Alabama and, you know, had bad offensive performances against other teams. Yeah. But if you look at those years, you know, that was 2013, 2016, 2017. Those were not great years. Those are not great offenses. No. We had, you know, 2013 against Alabama, a seven-point performance, which Brian Haydad said on his show that this was the worst off- offensive production in a game since the 2013 Alabama game, a 20-7 to loss. We were starting an injured Tyler Russell, and then Damian Williams came in. Our running backs were Ladarius Perkins and Josh Robinson, which weren't a bad duo, but Arius Williams and Kylan Hill is a better duo. Nick Fitzgerald is a better quarterback than those two. We had probably a better receiving core than that team. We We have a better offense this year than 2016. We have a better offense this year than we did in 2015. We have a better offense this year than we did in 2011, in 2012. So the reason why I believe this is the worst offensive performance since the egg that we laid, and that's not not meant to be a pun, but it is, I guess, in the 2008 Egg Bowl, was because... This is a talented offense. This is a good offense that scored seven points against Kentucky. That's terrible. That is awful. Now, I will pose this question to you, which has been a question that has been thrown out a bunch. Would Dan Mullen have won this game? And this is a question no one wants to hear because no one likes Dan Mullen anymore, despite the fact that if we're going down like this, we shouldn't hate Dan Mullen. We should actually not take what he did for granted. That's my opinion. Now, I no longer care about the Florida game because of Dan Mullen. I just want to beat Florida because we have to. Yeah, it's a must-win game at this point. But anyways, would Dan Mullen have won this game? Oh, this is one that I don't like at all. Because it requires a lot of speculation. Also, the answer is yes. I really don't think you would have. Do you think that we would have had, what was it, seven false starts and 
you know, three or four unsportsmanlike penalties if Dan Mullen were our head coach? No. Do you think so? No. I don't think we would have, but I don't think that's the only Do you think we would have been – I, I understand, but that was a huge reason why our – that was – those yeah. that, all that was momentum – was yeah. problems with momentum. Do you think we would have been nearly as distracted before the game because of social media if Dan no. Mullen were our head coach? No. Um well, I think we would have won the game by at least a touchdown of double digits if Dan Mullen were our head coach. And that is not my praising Dan Mullen in a situation in which we are playing poorly. This is a knock on Joe Moorhead and how he and his coaching staff made this game plan and coached this football game. Yeah. Um, I still don't – I think it would have been a closer game. I think Mississippi State might have actually found a way to move the ball uh, just because I don't think the penalties would have been there. Um, but I, I still think that Kentucky would have won. I still think that they were the better team. Now, with that being said, it was still 14 to seven with eight minutes left. So, you know, and that's, that's a shout out to the defense because the offense absolutely didn't help the defense. That's a shout out to who, who was it who picked off the, that made that great diving interception. That could have turned the game in our favor um, when it was 14-7. Who was that? I don't remember who picked I'm off. Finding it now. Interception. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Where is it? I'm looking for it. Nope. Do, do, do. Brian Cole. Brian Cole. That's what I thought. Yeah. Brian Cole picks off that pass. An outstanding interception. Gives MSU a chance to tie it. Mississippi State starts to move the ball. Into Kentucky territory, quarter ends, we have the ball first down Kentucky territory. I don't remember the exact string of plays. A whole bunch of penalties. Like a sack or two. It was, yes, I, I, I can find it right now. You got it? I think so. Let me make sure. Okay, yes. Okay, so we have a first down at the Kentucky 25-yard line. This is what happened. Sack for four yards, incomplete pass, penalty on Mississippi State for holding. Sack of 10 yards, false start, incomplete pass. We went from the Kentucky 40-yard line to our own, or the Kentucky 25 to our own 46. What's that uh, down a distance? Oh, it's 4th and 39. 4th and 39. One of my favorite tweets, I actually just remembered it, um, that I actually tweeted. I was, I was fond of this oh, one. Oh, good for, good for you. Congratulations. 3rd yeah. and 93 giveth, 3rd and 39 taketh away. Now, if we if you're going to be lauding your – that was a good tweet. If uh, you are going to be lauding your own tweets, then I must throw out my – Is it the false start one? This response to Crystal Method. Yeah, this was a great one. Uh, Joe Moorhead. He Crystal Method said Crystal or uh, Joe Moorhead's going to make his make the team walk home, and I said they'll get seven full starts on the way. And I also said that the players' Twitter accounts were at a hashtag championship standard. Um, uh, by the way, Moorhead can stop with that crap. He can stop with that crap. We're, that's that's done. That I don't is think the championship done. standard is trash. Every time I saw a Mississippi State football player wearing a championship standard T-shirt with the SEC championship trophy on the back of their shirts, I cringed. I agree, um, but I think the goal of that 
that movement now should be long-term, should be five years down the road because you're not getting it this year. You're not getting it next year. Um, you're not getting it the year after that. So so if we're not going to get in three years, Joe Moorhead is basically doing a four-year rebuilding project off of the most consistent 10-year stretch Mississippi State has had since World War II. I don't think it's going to be a rebuilding project. I think it's just a slow progression forward. And may I ask this? Are state fans going to be patient enough to do that? I think ones that are reasonable are. I don't think there's going to be enough. Do you think the majority will? Because at this point, the majority is feeling the ways I'm feeling. And if this keeps up for four years, Moorhead's going to be gone. Okay, I'll ask you this. And I hate that we're discussing this. I think I mean, you can say whatever you're going to say, but after that, I don't want to get five years down the road. We can just talk about. This we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about the long term future. We're going to talk about this future, this this year's future. Um, would a say an upset win or two upset wins over Auburn and LSU make you feel better about this team? You know, yes. Say the team ends, oh yeah, yes. Say the team ends at nine and three. Do you feel better about this team? I thought we were going to go 9-3 and three this year. But, no, just stick with me right now. Say, does do two wins over Auburn and LSU wash this away? Yes. So Absolutely. I think before now, people start grabbing torches and pitchforks, we have to see how this season ends. But do you think we're going to beat Auburn and LSU? Do you think after watching this – now, I'll say this. This Florida, this Florida game is going to – should – answer all of our questions. Because right now our questions are either, are we bad or was it just a bad performance? And depending on what we do against Florida, we'll answer that question. If we beat Florida by 14, by two touchdowns, you know, okay, maybe Kentucky's just really good. And we have some momentum going into Auburn and LSU, particularly Auburn, because right now Auburn doesn't look impressive, particularly on their offensive line, which is very good for us as long as our offensive line can do something against their defensive line. But that's a story for tomorrow. I will say I feel better about that game being in Davis Wade than over there because if it was over there, all of our road games at this point, I'm just throwing out the window because I have no clue how they're going to play out because we cannot put a road performance together. Now, unless you're playing a Kansas State team that lost 35-6 to six to Even win. Even then, we were sloppy. Um, I'm, not, I'm not counting any correct. road game as – I'm not taking any of those for granted right now. Now, if we struggle against Florida and win by three, we'll be happy we won, but we'll be concerned. If we lose to Florida, the season's over. So would you say right now that there are two camps after this game? The ones that kind of think we're bad, which if I had to guess you would fall in, and those of us that are pretty much saying this was a bad performance, which is where I stand right now. Right now, I think... No, I think there are three camps. I think okay. there are people who are I think there are people who are on the fence, which is kind of where I am right now. Because right now seven and five isn't no I, if we I think get seven there, and five this year. That's I think bad. I think there are three camps. I think yeah. there are people who think we are bad. I think people who think this is a bad performance, and then I think there are, there's a group of people that just think that we are extremely underwhelming or we are, we were extremely overrated. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they think we're bad. 
they just think that we are underperforming to the expectations that we should, or to the talent level that we have, that we have the pieces, the sum of the parts at this moment is a steaming hot pile of trash. Okay. So throw me in that, throw me in that camp right now. I don't necessarily. Now, I still think that being that the fact that right now our sum is a steaming hot pile of trash means that we can beat that we're going to beat Arkansas, Louisiana Tech, and have a chance to beat Florida and Ole Miss, which at this point is positive. Because right now, I think we're going to lose to Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, and Alabama. That's seven and five. And we're, honestly, Ethan, how is that unreasonable? Thinking that we're going to go seven and five with losses. The losses are important to Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, and Alabama. How is that not unreasonable? I don't think that's necessarily unreasonable. It's not at all. Because right now, with how we played against Kentucky, but, that's where we are. But, trying to throw a butt out there, not like a Nicki Minaj size butt, but just like a, a moderately sized butt. One T. Yeah. Um, I think this season is an incredibly weird one across the entire landscape of college football. Ethan, also, do you want to hear a very depressing fact that I thought about this on my way back? Just one second. Okay, sure. I don't think we can necessarily judge how good anybody is outside of, like, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Clemson, and Ohio State right now. And Oklahoma, for the most part, part, because they struggled against Army. But, like, we saw – no, Oklahoma did. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Um, Did I say Oklahoma instead of Ohio State? You said Ohio State, and then I said throw Oklahoma in there, but with a grain of salt because they struggled against Army. So, like, you've got Oklahoma struggling against Army, Army taking them into overtime. You've got Penn State struggling their opening week of the season, but they're still a top-10 team. So yeah. I I just think this is a very weird season. Not necessarily 2007 levels of weird, but just weird in general. Uh, 2007, the season in which we didn't score 20 points against Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Central Florida in the bowl I'm, game. Yet I'm not all of them. referencing Mississippi State's 2007. I know, but I know, but that's just an example of how weird it was. Okay, what were you going to say? You mentioned the weirdness of college football. Yeah, Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech. Thank God. If we would have, if if we would have beaten Kentucky, if we would have been beaten Florida, we would be five and zero, and we would have clinched game day on October the sixth. We would also- guess what's not coming on October the sixth. No, no, no. Now, thanks to Texas, it'll be going to Dallas. But Red River shootout. But yeah. Um. So right now, the Florida game. So right now, everyone has questions. Everyone is confused, I think is the accurate That's word to say. Very accurate. The Florida, fan, the Florida game is going to answer all of that. The Florida game is going to answer whether or not this season can be salvaged or if this season can go down the toilet. Because if we lose to Florida, the season's done. And there's nothing you can say otherwise. We would be 3-2, and 0-2 oh in the conference. We would probably lose to Auburn. We would probably lose to LSU. That puts us at 3-4, and 0-4 oh in conference when Texas A&M comes to town. We would probably be three and five with zero SEC wins before Louisiana Tech. Yeah. And La Tech if just we lose to Florida. Um I will say that Joe Moorhead has been in similar situations before, but as an offensive coordinator. That is accurate. The most notable being twenty sixteen after yes. Penn State was like five weeks into the season, they were three and two. They, they were one and two at one point. Yeah, they lost us to Pitt. And then 
Um, Michigan, the Michigan loss was by 39 points. Right, and then they won 10 straight and won the Big Ten. They, yeah, they went to the Rose Bowl. I, I think a lot of that has to do with James Franklin. Yeah. But I will say there is a possibility. We've talked about Mississippi State's offense taking time to click with Joe Moorhead. I think Boy, a, is it taking time. But we said it was around this time frame between four and six weeks that we would see it to start to click. We need it to click now. Oh, man. But I, I will say there's a possibility that maybe not to that extent, but we see that sort of resurgence happen. But anyway, the short answer is to everyone's questions at this point, which is 2.51 Central Standard Time on would, Monday, September 24th, 2018, the year of our Lord, Anno Domini. Depending on what your faith is, but that's a it's the, tomorrow. Yeah. But, you know, it's 2018, whatever. It's five o'clock somewhere. But, um, anyways, I'm just, I got distracted like the football team. You got um, mad. You got mad at me saying good morning. But, anyways, the, the answers right now is that we can't answer them. No. Because they will be answered for certain when Florida comes to town. Now, if we struggle against Florida yet eke out a win, then yeah, there will still be questions. But I think at that point, I think there are three, I, I think there are three answers. I think one, if we handle Florida, we have a shot at eight and three, and then on a very optimistic view, not nine and or eight and four optimistic view, nine and three, if we handle right. Florida. If we eke out a win against Florida, seven and five. If we lose to Florida, I don't think we're making a bowl. If we lose to Florida, there's definitely let's start start putting on the sirens. And if we don't make it to a bowl, this season will go down in history with 2001, the season in which people predicted us to win the SEC West, and we went three and eight. This would go. This would be worse than 2011. Ranked in the preseason, goes seven and six, barely make it to a bowl. If it weren't for a win over a god awful Ole Miss team, one of the worst in history, we would not have made it to a bowl. Coming off of the season in which we were not in four, we were ranked in the preseason. This would go down as one of the most underwhelming seasons in Mississippi State history if we lose next week. And not only that, we would lose to Dan Mullen, which I don't care about, but fans do. I know a lot of stores around Starkville have shirts that say Dan who, which in my opinion should be burnt. That is dumb and stupid. And I went close to the camera when I said stupid. So if I see you with a Dan Who shirt, I don't care if you're my best friend. I'm going to be looking at you with a very negative tone. My roommate says he's going to get one of those just to mess with me. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hate those shirts. Anyways. Because I like Dan Mullen. I don't like Dan Mullen. It's just uh, those shirts are dumb. But... Anyways, I ra- I went on a rant. The answer is threefold to repeat. If we handle Florida, eight and four is likely nine and f- nine and three is optimistic. If we eke out a win against Florida, seven and five is probably our destination. If we lose to Florida, five and seven is that likely six and six is the ceiling. Yeah. And right now, I don't think I could have ever imagined a more depressing conversation <laughs> to be this- having at this time. Remember when we made fun of Ole Miss fans for back in 2016? They were ranked like top 10 preseason, and then they ended 
at like five and seven. five and seven. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I obviously I thought that we were going to go nine and three. And I said on this show two weeks ago that if we were that so that preface here, if we were to be five and O oh, going hey, to uh, Auburn, call me real quick. Can you just talk? Yeah. If we were to be five and O oh, going to Auburn, I said that two weeks ago. We would nine and three is the floor. At this point, nine and three is an optimistic ceiling, and it's an extremely depressing thing to say at this point. Um, but you know that that's that's just where we are now. Once again, the season can be salvaged depending on what we do next week, and I've said this over and over again, but it, it cannot be emphasized enough. But we next next week is as big of a game for this team, and not only that, but for the outlook on the Joe Moorhead era. I don't think Joe Moorhead's going to get fired after this year. I don't think Joe Moorhead's going to get fired after next year. But with all of the hype and the optimism that was surrounding Joe Moorhead's hire and what he could be doing here at Mississippi State, next week could be detrimental, a, a shot to the heart if we do not win. Now, I was meaning to say this point earlier, that you know, I thought that nine and three was that was my season prediction going into the year. But in the back of my mind, I, didn't, I wasn't concerned about it too much. But in the back of my mind, and it had been thrown out there by analysts on ESPN and analysts on wherever in the back of their mind or in the back of my mind. And it was thrown out there that the coaching change could affect this season. The fact that we've had the same coach for nine seasons that brought very good success to the program give or take two years that had that elevated the program to a place that hadn't been seen. And in terms of a consistent basis in 70 years, he's gone. You bring in a new guy. How could that could affect the team? And right now that is affecting the team. Yeah. I think Joe Moorhead is getting a uh, baptism by fire into the emotions that this team can produce. Yeah. Um, I think it was, jo- I, Oh, sorry. Continue. I was just going to say he has to get a rain on it because there's no right. way that like we can we can perform to that level that that horrible, awful like Mariana Trench level of discipline and execution and expect to win any game this year. Yeah, and um, the um, Joel Coleman wrote an article saying that. Um, you know the the honeymoon is over for Joe Moorhead, and Justin he mentioned. Too. Oh, was it Justin Strong? It may have been. Jo, Joel Coleman said it on his show. Justin, uh, wrote, not, it. Justin wrote it. Joel Coleman said it on his show, and, and he also said on his in like Brian Hayda. It was either Brian or Joel. One of them. They mentioned that the honeymoon's over, but then they also said that not only is the honeymoon over some state fans are coming home from the honeymoon honeymoon and saying, who did I marry? That's like, rough. yeah. So, you know, it's, it is rough, but I think a lot of us need to just take a step back from the ledge and let's see how the next couple of weeks play out. Uh, not a couple. It has to be this week. It has to be this week. And I, and I hate to say it, it can't what, be a couple. What this I was week say, is going to be the one. If we're three and three, or even four and two, we're going to have plenty of questions and plenty of discussions about where we should have been. I'll say this with the loss against Kentucky being four and two, 
won't surprise me that much. Being three and three, that's where that's the tipping point. That's where things are titanic. And that's where next season is do or die for Joe Moorhead's coaching. And and if the offense continues like it does, like where where we don't have a yeah, I mean, you can once again you can bring up the offensive line play, but once again that goes along with coaching with how much if the offensive line continues to struggle to the extent that it did against Kentucky. But if we don't commit to the run, which is the strength of this team, if we continue to force balls downfield, which Nick Fitzgerald can't do, if we do not play to the strengths of the of the players on this offense, at this point it'll prove that Joe Moorhead is not that kind of coach, either is not that kind of coach or is not a good enough coach to, to you know, do that, to yeah. take his offense and implement it to the to his personnel. Yeah. And, you know, if that's the case, we're going to have to wait till Garrett Schrader becomes our starting quarterback to see any kind of offense at Mississippi State. I mean... He could start next year. I mean, <laughs> if Garrett Schrader starts next year and we have Keaton Thompson on our roster, that would, in my opinion, that would be a lot more harm than good. We've also got Jalen Maiden. Yeah. If if those two guys get passed up, they're both leaving. Yeah. And they're and, both going to go have successful careers somewhere else. Yeah, precisely. So, anyways. But – not to get too far in the future, Florida is absolutely huge. We need to win it. If we win it, that's good. If we take care of them, you know, some of the questions will be resolved. We still have a good outlook on the year. If we lose, it's done. If that's... we put up 600 yards of offense, do we all feel better? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's but do you now. think we're going to put 600 yards of offense? <laughs> just After we put up 200 against Kentucky. I was going to say, I just want us to put up half of 200 at this point. Yeah. Anyways, we have some questions from our Twitter DM group. Yeah, we need to, I need to, I need to do this podcast more. I've been busy with college. All right. Since, since you're busy, we're going to go through these questions quickly. Okay. Cool. That'd be great. Will Lawrence asks, why am I cursed? He's asking, why are you cursed? Yeah. Yes. I am cursed. With all road games. I have been to, I'm not going to count in my head, I've been to at least 15 road games in my life. We have won four of them. I was going to say, have we won three? We've won four, and these are the teams we beat. Middle Tennessee State in 2009. Vanderbilt in 2009. Arkansas in 2013. They went three and nine. And UMass in 2016. That's so bad. If you do not count Memphis at the Liberty Bowl in 2011, and the reason why you wouldn't count it is because that is a 20-minute drive from my house. That's so bad. We have lost to Ole Miss 45 to nothing, 20 to 17, and 31 to 17. We have lost to Georgia 31 to 3. We have lost to Kentucky 28 to 7. We have lost to Auburn on last second plays. Twice we um, let's see what we have lost to Texas A and M thirty to seventeen. I'm mad about that. Um, let me let let's think. What else is there? I that game. That was awful. What else is there? There there are more than that. Um, it doesn't matter at this point. Keep going. That those are road games that I've attended. We've lost to Louisiana Tech. We've lost to Georgia Tech thirty eight to seven. When I'm in attendance, 
Next question. Um, so, no, I'm not going to any more road games. And why am I cursed? Because you know what? People just I'm, – I'm, I'm a disappointing individual. That's heartbreaking. Uh, Will Lawrence, why did it take until his press conference today for Joe Moe to show any emotion because we lost by three touchdowns to Kentucky? And Joe Moe, for the most part, pretty level individual. Doesn't show a lot of emotions in any sort of case. And I imagine he's pretty furious. Yes. But the answer is because we lost by three touchdowns to Kentucky. Yeah, and everything was peaches and cream for him before, before that. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, we've already answered this question because I asked it. Would Dan Mullen have won that game Saturday? You say no, I say yes. Yeah, I think it's like a three-point loss to Kentucky, mm-hmm. but it's still a loss. Lad, will Dan Mullen win this game uh, Saturday? Uh, Pick them time, boys. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> I think we win something like 31-17, but it's... No, I I think we're going to win. But boy, I've never been less confident in something in my life. Pick it. What's the score? I said 31-17. 24-21. Are you confident in our offense? I'm thinking like special teams. We get a kick return for a touchdown. And our, our, we're going to win from a we're going to win from a blocked extra point return for two points. <laughs> People are going to print if we win this game, which I we can't count as a granted. But if we win this game, people more are gonna like print. a grand thumb. Gonna, <laughs> that was terrible. Print. Continue. People are going to print t-shirts with the score, like the scoreboard. And if we win by only like two points, it's going to be trash. Well, if we win by two points, that's better than what we did on Saturday. That's fair (laughs) enough. You know, but um, yeah, it's a very not confident yes. And at this point, I have no faith whatsoever. Because, I mean, we scored 31 against a trash Kansas State team too. So... And the only times we have surpassed, we have actually put a legitimate offensive performance, like in terms of both throwing the ball and running the ball, was Louisiana Lafayette, who is a 50 point underdog to Alabama this week. It's going to be fun to watch. So, you know. Keep going. I think that was it. Yeah. So, this game was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Great. Woohoo. Anyways, Ethan. Oh, do I have to do final thinkings? You have to introduce that, right? Do you want to do final thinkings? May I do? May I just say that my final thinkings are okay. I'll I'll, I'll say this. This is a really awful tasting medicine, but there's a possibility that the patient may need it. I don't care if you hate Dan Mullen. I don't hate him. I don't like him. But if Mississippi State is turning into a Mississippi State program that loses by three touchdowns to Kentucky, but against different teams every week. You could probably take the the um, the road of, well, I hate Dan Mullen because he left us and he made our pro- and he and we left us and our program became the way it did because Mullen left. Well, uh, Jackie Sherrill um, went three and eight, three and eight, two and ten to end his time at State, and he's left. Um. Uh, Alan McKean, uh, despite the fact that he was unjustly fired, he didn't end his career at State that great. 
Emery Ballard, who was beloved his first two years at state, first three years at state, didn't end his career that well. Um, Rocky Felker is still beloved, um, and he had one winning season in five years at state, and that was a season that we didn't make a bowl. Uh, Sylvester Croom is getting credit for what Dan Mullen did at Mississippi State. I do not get that. Whatever. If this program is spiraling downward, and I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying if it is, it's not. Y'all Dan. really need to shut up. It's not Dan Mullen's fault, right? Because at that point, you need to take the Jackie Sherrill road, and maybe welcome Mullen back in 20 years. Maybe that 2014 team is going to be recognized on the field. May want to invite the head coach. May want to. Those are my final thinkings. That's fair enough. Um, this has been the Maroon and White Audible. That's been the Maroon and White Visible. Uh, just, but it's secretly visible. That was clever. That was funny. This was not, this was not the most pleasant episode ever. No, no. It, it, this is... Um, I, this is uh, this is like after 2016 South Alabama and the 2015 Egg Bowl, just not as nuclear. Those were bad. I said that we were going to go three and nine after the South Alabama game. So you know, if you think that my saying there's a chance at five and seven is uh, pessimistic, just go back to that episode. If Our, it's still in existence, I want to say there there's someone on Facebook that comments because Facebook comments on article posts are great. Um, that uh, someone said that this was worse than the South Alabama game or something like that. I'll say this. This is a point that I actually wanted to make, and I'll just say it right now. Joe Moorhead's first game, in the first SEC game as the head coach at Mississippi State is one of the worst losses in the, last, in the 2010s for Mississippi State football. Yeah, that's fair. Up there with South Alabama, 2016 Kentucky, and every Egg Bowl. If this Kentucky team goes like 10-2 – and two, then I think you can take it down from there, but it's it's close up there. If this, it, well, I'll say this: if this Kentucky team goes ten and two, but we go six and six, then yeah, okay, no, still the same. But yeah. say we go, say we go nine and three, they go ten and two, then that's fair. Okay, okay, cool. Um, that's been the Maroon and White Audible. I'm Ethan Lee. I'd love to have Daniel Black back more regularly. That rhymed. Wait, what? That kind of rhymed. Yeah, hey, yeah. So it's like the name of a song. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. For sure. Yeah. So everybody, say say goodbye to Daniel. Bye. I'll catch you later. Adios. I gotta go work on homework. Woo! Fun stuff. I have to go. Go. Fair enough. Bye bye.